0: So, hi everyone, and welcome. Um, Thank you for being here today on this extremely hot day um, for us. And uh, I I want to uh, welcome Father Fadi Diab and Ruba and Andrew and Mary Newman from the Bishop's Committee on Peace and Justice in the Holy Land. Um, I'm glad that all of you could come today. And uh, my thought is, and uh, correct me if I need to go a different direction, that it's still kind of early for the dinner hour. And that we might have, uh, have uh, Father Diab speak first and then eat. Does that, will that work for you guys? Okay, all right, great. Um, well, first I would like to call up Mary Newman. Actually, first I want to say a prayer. Because that's just what I do. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal God, in whose perfect kingdom no sword is drawn but the sword of righteousness, no strength known but the strength of love, so mightily spread abroad your spirit that all peoples may be gathered under the banner of the Prince of Peace as children of one Father, to whom be dominion and glory now and forever. Amen. Amen. So come on up, Mary. I am going to insist on the microphone because I know some folks are a little more hard of hearing, but also because it will make for a better recording for those who missed this to hear later. So here you go, Mary. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you, Josh, and thank you all for welcoming us to your community. It's a pleasure to be here, (laughs) finally. We had a lot of traffic, and it's been very, very long. Sorry to be late. Um, I'm just representing to the Bishop's Committee for Israel-Palestine, we used to call it, But now we call it justice and peace in the Holy Land. And it's been our mission to provide education to the parishes and to try to build relationships and friendships between the Diocese of Jerusalem and with our own diocese here. Um, We have several churches that are participating in visitations and one of the things that we want to do is just try to get to know you better and for you to know what is really happening in the Holy Land right now. Father Fadi has been in a church in Ramallah for how many years, Fadi? 10 years now. 10 years, and, but has been in other places in the Middle East. Uh, this is not the first time he's been here, so he's, he's been welcomed back, and Ruva has been here before. Ruva's a teacher, teaches Christian education. So, and Andrew is a student, he'll be a senior in high school. So with that, I think I'll just say uh, thank you for being here, and we'll have a chance to talk more informally afterwards.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it is a great joy to be here. Uh, Father Josh, uh, Christine, and Sarah, and the community, uh, we very much appreciate your presence uh, this afternoon, and uh, uh, we can't see the delicious food on the table. Um, So, we're overwhelmed with your uh, love and hospitality. Uh, But again, if you uh, think that I am uh, speaking too long, you may go to the food and pick (laughs) some.
3: Uh,
2: My name is Fadi, uh, and I am uh, priest in the uh, Episcopal Diocese of Jerusalem um, that is far away from here. Um, Have you been to the diocese of Jerusalem or to the Middle East, to Israel, Palestine? Just one. So Father Joshua, just one, two, two. So Father Joshua, please plan a trip. (laughs) So you've got some, some on board. Uh, <coughs> so we come from the Holy Land uh, I think the Holy Land is, uh, is a name well known for many people uh, the political designation is Israel and Palestine, the religious uh, is Holy Land and uh, this is the very uh, birthplace of the Christian faith it has Bethlehem where Jesus was born Uh, Jerusalem where he uh, suffered, died, and was risen. Uh, It has also uh, Galilee where he spent all of most of his time. Uh, The uh, Jordan River where he was baptized. So uh, we refer to the Holy Land as the fifth gospel. Because as you walk the uh, roads of Palestine Israel Palestine the will end or as you uh, visit the places where Jesus uh, taught and uh, uh, Performed miracles uh, You're reminded of the whole gospel of Jesus Christ God's love uh, for everyone um, And uh, we uh, As a Christian community uh, we trace our uh, roots to the first disciples and to the Pentecost. Um, The Christians uh, who uh, converted or believed in Christ in the first century and at Pentecost there were many people gathering in Jerusalem. They were the first disciples who went uh, to the rest of the world, preaching the love of God in Jesus Christ. And uh, since then, the Christian community uh, retained presence in the Holy Land. Uh, even though uh, there were times of great uh, uh, suffering, uh, especially during the uh, wars or the incursions of empires, uh, whether that is the Persian Empire or the uh, Muslims or the Crusaders, the Christian community uh, has suffered a lot, uh, and it continues to suffer until today, uh, dwindling um, in in number uh, and uh, facing a lot of challenges. And one of one of the things that uh, we that worry us a lot uh, is uh, the presence of the living stones uh, and the uh, immigration uh, that young people continue to strive for. Um, And and we we cannot imagine that the Holy Land will one day become empty uh, of its uh, community. And that one day, the gospel of Christ will not be preached in the several uh, holy sites and churches in in the Holy Land. Uh, in the last 75, 76 years with the uh, Arab-Israeli conflict uh, has created a new political um, uh, agenda for many groups in the Middle East, including the Christian community. And uh, the conflict uh, is is now a long one. And because of the longevity of the conflict, um, I think many, many people, in particular, the Christian community have been overwhelmed. And uh, they can't take it anymore. And that is why uh, many people uh, left. Uh, the Holy Land. Many Christians left the Holy Land. For example, where we come from, from the city of Ramallah, ninety uh, percent of the original people of Ramallah now live in the United States. Ninety-nine zero. Ninety percent of the original Christian community in Ramallah now live in the United States, and they even formed the Federation of the Ramallah Community in the United States. Um, and it's it's a strong federation. I mean, I'm not saying they don't they don't work hard for the rest of us back there, but I'm saying that uh, they have come to seek freedom, uh, equality, uh, a better way of life in the United States or other countries, and to uh, leave uh, their homes and 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 families and uh, friends. Um, in Ramallah, uh, the, uh, in, 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 in Israel-Palestine, the Diocese of Jerusalem has around 15 parishes uh, and uh, several institutions, including hospitals, um, uh, schools, clinics, uh, community centers, um, and orphanages. So uh, the diocese tries to uh, care for the Christian, for the Anglicans, Episcopalians who live there, but also for the entire Christian community and also for the entire Palestinian community. Um, so we have, for example, at one at, at the school in Ramallah, we have 850 students. Uh, half of the students are Christians and the other half uh, is Muslims. Um, and the Christian, the Christian half consists uh, of different denominations, including Orthodox, Catholics, Lutherans, and the rest, and of course, Episcopalians. But we, are, uh, we take pride of our uh, school in Ramallah because it has the highest percentage of the Christian body, student body. Other schools would have like 10, 15%, maximum 20 but because in our school we maintain a Christian uh, message and a Christian mission, we make uh, sure that these, the Christian uh, body is at least 50% of the student body. Um, there are several schools uh, in Ramallah, including church schools and uh, uh, actually each denomination has its own school. So there's Catholic school, Orthodox school, Uh, Lutheran School, Quaker School, uh, Episcopal School, uh, Malkyre School, yeah, Uh, and the reason uh, for this school actually started with the arrival of the missionaries in the uh, uh, late 19th century, uh, who discovered the need for education and health. Uh, And that is why the missionaries started building schools, and the second uh, Episcopal Bishop in Jerusalem built 42 schools, like in the uh, 1890s. Um, some, I mean, when we say 40, like schools in in the nine, in the 1890s, they would be like small schools, you know. Uh, but the need was was great for education and for his care, okay. and that's why many of the Uh, churches established Uh, what is funny about establishing, not funny, what is really interesting about establishing uh, schools is that the missionaries who came to the Middle East uh, mainly uh, Catholics uh, Anglicans and Lutherans uh, who came from Europe uh, they would build two schools at the same time and how is that? They will start a school. Then the Eastern Orthodox churches will fear that you know, the community will go after the school then they'll build another school. So by building a school, they make sure that two schools are built in the community. Um, but uh, to, to go back about, about uh, the Christian community, and the need to uh, really uh, support and pray for that community in in Israel-Palestine is that uh, it is a a suffering community and it feels forgotten by the rest of the world. Uh, Many Christians uh, in uh, in Israel-Palestine feel uh, they're neglected, marginalized, And that the rest of uh, our brothers and sisters in the West do not care much about about what is happening there. And for that reason, they're very much distressed. And I think it's very important that we let them know that we care about them and we pray for them. Uh, we uh, We believe in the one body of Christ, that we all come together in this uh, body. And we all are made uh, Christians in the one covenant of the baptism. So when, when one part of the body is distressed, the rest of the body, the other parts should uh, care for that, that part. Uh, and so we're, we're coming uh, invited by the uh, Bishops' Committee and uh, this is a long partnership link with the Diocese of Columbia and uh, uh, and I think many uh, clergy and bishops visited uh, and talked to uh, parishes. Uh, and our message has always been is that We need your prayers, your support. Uh, We need you to be more active in uh, the Palestinian cause. Uh, Solidarity with the oppressed and the marginalized is a a Christian ethics. And we're we're always reminded that uh, we need to uh, pay attention to the least among us. Uh, the last two months, the last two years with the rise of uh, the Israeli national uh, religious groups in Israel, and of course in the last several years of the rise of uh, uh, fundamentalism and fundamentalists in in, in Islam, the Christian community feels trapped. Uh, They can't uh, accommodate the fundamentalist uh, way of life and in, in among their, uh, in their society. And at the same time they cannot accommodate or uh, adhere to the uh, national fundamentalist uh, fascist uh, uh, groups, political groups in Israel who wants all the Palestinians out so uh, it it is very important for us to uh, tell our stories to uh, all of you it is very important that you share these stories it is very important yet that you uh, search and read and learn about what is happening it is very important to uh, pray for your brothers and sisters in the Holy Land, it's very important that you uh, work out what can you as a community with your leader, uh, what can you do? Because uh, we are called as Christians to uh, transform this world of injustice, inequality, uh, poverty into a world that is intended by God. A world of ju- a world of justice, equality, and uh, love, and neighborliness for everyone. And once there is uh, uh, injustice anywhere, uh, I think uh, Martin Luther King said, uh, "Injustice anywhere is a threat to uh, justice everywhere." And I think what is happening in 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 israel Palestine uh, with injustice to the Palestinian community that continues to live under occupation for 75 years now. Can you imagine, I'm, I'm not sure if you know this, but can you imagine that the Palestinian refugees have been refugees living in camps for 75 years? Like, these are not refugee camps for two, three years until the war ends. The war ended, but refugees were not allowed to go back to their homes and cities. And until now, there's six Palestinian, six million Palestinians living in refugee camps scattered around the Middle East and the rest of the world. And And I believe this is injustice. You know that uh, there is a wall, huge wall. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but you can search it on the internet. There is a wall that surrounds the whole Palestinian territories, and there is a siege. There
0: is a wall, right? Yeah. And it's barbed wire and fence. Yeah.
2: And that wall, if you can, if you can imagine. Uh, The whole whole area where the Palestinians live, surrounded by a huge wall of like four or five meters, that goes around the whole community, making it the biggest prison in the world with gates, and you need permits to leave the gates to either go to another city or village or to Israel or to Jordan or to fly to the rest of the world. Uh, which is very, uh, very true in the uh, Gaza Strip where uh, about two million Palestinians has have been um, under siege for the last 14 years. The Christian community in Gaza, by the way, is now vanishing. They're only like maybe three, four hundred. Uh, and by the way, Gaza has been one of the first seats uh, of Christianity in, in in the first century. So yeah, it is um, it it is difficult, and and I think. Uh, we, we have been by the uh, reaction of the political leaders in the west, mainly Europe and the United States, uh, who have failed the Palestinians for several years now. And the, uh, uh, the Netanyahu uh, government, uh, which contains now the most fanatic uh, nationalist uh, groups, Uh, uh, continue to incite their followers to attack Palestinians, to ban their homes and uh, villages, and this was what happened like two two months ago. Um, And uh, Palestinians uh, have been uh, deprived of the freedom to move around, the freedom to work, the freedom to travel, uh, and the freedom to, to, to determine what they want uh, and, and what kind of life they want to have. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Ruba is trying to Let's open it put some uh, pictures um, on the screen. No. Well, I've been asked this question a couple of times. I, I think the simple answer is no. I think the treatment has to it's do with small. the person who's engaged. Because if the person is fanatic so he treat both Christians and Muslims alike. Yeah, it's just so. Uh, uh, but no, they're not treating I uh, actually in the last year we have witnessed an increased uh, number of attacks on churches and clergy. Uh, just this last year. By Jews or by, by Jews. By Jews. And and the l- the last one was the uh, van- vandalism of the Protestant cemetery in Jerusalem by fanatic Jews. Uh, I- I'm not sure if, if, if we find this, but there are a couple of uh, YouTubes where you can see um, uh, on, on the internet about the uh, vandalism of the churches by Jewish fanatics. Uh, I'm not saying that the Palestinian Christians are treated very well by the Muslims. I'm saying that that the Palestinian Christians are treated badly by both sides. But recently, it has has been increased by (coughs) the uh, incitement of the rise of uh, nationalist religious groups in Israel. Uh, several, several churches uh, were attacked, including the Armenian uh, Patriarchate in Jerusalem. Uh, Graffiti has been uh, written all over uh, the place in many, many churches and uh, Christian institutions. Uh, so uh, w- I'm, I'm not going into the uh, political uh, side political history because before 1946 palestine was this is historical palestine this is before the creation of the state of israel i mean in in 19 in 1946 there was no israel because israel was uh, was created in 1948 and the white uh, spots here uh, were the jews who emigrated from uh, europe uh, or fled from europe and came to palestine as refugees well in 19 uh, the 1947 UN plan divided the uh, the land between two uh, communities it gave the jews uh, 54 percent and the Palestinians are uh, 48%. Uh, I think the Palestinians did not accept the proposal by the UN because simply the Jews were occupying uh, 7% at that time. So the, the Palestinians saw that that is unfair to give uh, the community of a 7% 50 two or four percent and the community, the rest, the rest of the land and then the war erupted and Israel occupied uh, the whole of the West Bank except the uh, the whole of Palestine except um, the uh, West Bank and Gaza Strip. And you can can now uh, imagine, this is 2008. The green, which is Palestinian occupied land is now turning into white with the hundreds of settlements that Israel continues to build on Palestinian confiscated land. And this is 2008. Uh, Like, how many years? 15 years ago. If you look at the map today, you'll find like tiny spots, green spots here and there. And they're separated from each other. So, uh, To simplify the picture, uh, because sometimes it's not easy to imagine, to simplify the picture, uh, you know the reservation system in the US. And what Israel is doing now is trying to push the Palestinians into the main cities, and where these main cities would become uh, uh, reservations. They're surrounded by a wall and checkpoints and the Palestinians can govern themselves inside the cities but the rest of the land is confiscated or annexed by the state of Israel. So this is the wall uh, that surrounds the whole occupied territories where Palestinians cannot leave uh, from one space to another without, um, without a permit or without going through the military checkpoints. Well, this has, uh, for, for many years, has uh, caused the Palestinians to uh, get frustrated. And many of the Palestinians, mainly among the Muslim community, uh, opted for uh, uh, militant uh, actions against the occupation. Uh, the Palestinian Christian community opted for a uh, pacific uh, pacifistic uh, programs uh, and advocacy and uh, non-violent resistance so uh, there are many many ways uh, Palestinians have chose to resist the occupation Uh, some of them were violent some of them were non-violent we do not Uh, condone uh, violence uh, by any side. Uh, And we condemn uh, the uh, Israeli violence against the Palestinians and of course the Palestinian violence against the Israeli civilians. Uh, And we think that uh, this conflict should be solved peacefully through the negotiation. But unfortunately, in the last uh, 15 years, the state of Israel has uh, uh, neglected or rejected uh, negotiation with the Palestinians, even though the US government uh, administrations, several administration except the, the, the previous one, uh, have tried hard to uh, break the ice and bring the two groups together, but the Israeli government um, has always refused Uh, to sit and negotiate with the Palestinians. If you remember the Oslo uh, agreement that was signed in Washington 1993 between Israel and the Palestinians, it was a temporary uh, agreement that uh, states that there will be a Palestinian state after five years. And after that agreement, Rabin, Ishaq Rabin, the uh, Israeli leader who, who signed the agreement, was assassinated by an Israeli nationalist. And then Sharon, Ariel Sharon, came to uh, power, and after him Netanyahu. And since then, the whole peace process stopped. And uh, none, none uh, among the uh, the. Uh, quarter groups, including the US, the European Union, the United Nations, Russia, and Germany, was, uh, no, without Germany, uh, was able to uh, bring uh, the Israeli to, uh, the Israeli government to uh, consent with the Oslo Accord that the, uh, they signed. And now the plan is for uh, annexing uh, the rest of the West Bank and create, creating the what we call the bantustan uh, system. The bantustan is is like the reservation system where you have uh, people in uh, reservations, closed areas. So we have to go through all of this, um, and you can see like how how Palestinians would cross checkpoints. Uh, Workers, uh, for example, would go in the morning and come in the evening uh, to their homes. Uh, it's, it's a segregation system where uh, Israelis have uh, a different style of life beyond the wall and a different lo- style of life for the Palestinians uh, and, uh, behind the wall. Um, So there is now a huge uh, tension, a big tension between the US administration and the Israeli government. And if you're following the news, um, the Biden administration uh, has not invited Netanyahu to the White House yet uh, after his election. And uh, it's a... uh, it's a sh- sign that we're not, we're not uh, happy with what is going on and we don't agree with the plans that the Israeli government is doing. But I think that is what, that is the only uh, thing that the US uh, administration will do. They won't go further to uh, push uh, the Israeli government towards negotiation. So we, where we live and uh, minister uh, to the gospel of Christ in these contexts, in these situations, I am sure Ruba, my wife, will share uh, with you uh, a bit uh, of the uh, family life in, in Palestine, uh, how, uh, like parents, deal with the situation. Uh, they get very anxious and afraid about the future of their children. What the children, Andrew might also tell you, if, if he wishes, I don't know, uh, <laughs> might tell you about uh, what what young people his age think and how they feel about what is going on uh, and why they uh, opt to study abroad. Uh, and remain abroad. So they go study and they do not they do not want, many of them do not want to come back. Some of them do, I did uh, go back. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not a lecture, this is like an introduction uh, about the situation and I'll leave more time for uh, questions. I'll ask Ruba to uh, say something about the family life. Uh, Ruba is a Jordanian. We uh, I met her when I served the the diocese in Jerusalem and in Jordan. These uh, some parishes in in Jordan, and actually we had a hard time uh, uniting because the Israeli uh, authorities refused to give her a visa after we got married. So we got married and I went to Ramallah to serve the community in Ramallah and she remained in Jordan. There was no Zoom then. I I wish there was Zoom. (laughs) It was a, uh, it would be a a bit easier with Zoom. So yeah, uh, so we had also uh, our own struggles uh, as well as many Palestinians uh, do. Uh, Ruba. Thank you. And Allah and so. uh,
4: it's uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for coming. Uh, so, uh, if you want to start talking about the my experience, I'm a Jordanian, origin in Jordanian. I accompanied accompanied my husband during uh, his ministry in Palestine uh, after getting married after five months of getting married. So as a Jordanian, I am, uh, I shouldn't, it's not easy to go and cross the border between Jordan and Palestine unless I have a visa. And since I am uh, married to a Palestinian, uh, there should be something called the family reunification. And at that time, we're talking about uh, 23 years uh, before, during intifada it was mission impossible to get you know family reunification so uh, we get married in Jordan and uh, after five months after fighting for five months actually Fadi was able to get a visitor's permit for his wife to come and join him in his ministry in Ramallah I accompanied my husband, and uh, I stayed there for only three year, uh, three months. And after the vis- visitors' impo- uh, uh, permit is over, I have to cross the border again to join my family because I'm illegal. So we kept doing this uh, for f- four years, crossing the border and coming, and. Uh, at the end, the soldier uh, told Fadi that if she crosses the border, you won't be able to bring her again to Palestine. So uh, we decided that I should stay illegal, as an illegal citizen in Palestine, because you know, I became pregnant and uh, Philip was on the way and it was difficult, you know, to keep crossing the borders and what about school What about nursing? your Uh, children, it was really difficult at that time. So uh, I stayed a legal citizen for another four years. And uh, in 2008, uh, the uh, Israeli granted people uh, the the Palestinian IDs. Uh, I know a neighbor in uh, in a parish in uh, in the northern part of palestine in zabavde where we served she was a jordanian and she stayed in palestine in zabavde in particular for more than 20 years as an an illegal citizen so when i took my id luckily in four years she did her id after 20 or 25 years being illegal We were at that time about 50,000 illegal citizens in Palestine war- waiting for their citizenship. Imagine how it's hard you know, to be separated. Many stories, I can tell you many stories.
2: Andrew, your channel. Yeah.
3: yeah. Hi. Hi. It's a pleasure being here. Um, well, as, as a teenager, I face me and my friends, of course, and uh, I feel that I speak uh, on behalf of all of the children or young people in Palestine. Uh, we face difficulties every day, even in cities. Some uh, we don't get the, some some uh, young people don't get uh, enough education. Um, they don't they don't go sometimes they don't go to school or they don't even finish school. Um, I have a friend. Uh, who was arrested last year uh, He's a my classmate a classmate. He was arrested by the Israeli soldiers um, They came at 3 a.m. in the morning and took him brutally uh, brutally arrested him um, And he spent like six months in jail And another six months like in house arrest so yeah, he um, Spent most of his year in in, um, uh, in jail. So yeah, this is the kind of difficulties that we face as uh, young people in Palestine.
4: So uh, let's talk about, you know, traveling.
0: Sorry, but do you mind getting right into the mic? Yeah. You can just point no, it out, that's
4: yeah.
0: I'm not tall enough. You know. Yeah, I <laughs> no, can lower it. Let me do that. Yeah, you got it
4: down. I just can hold it. Oh, oh that works too. So, um, <laughs> if you want to come and visit, of course, uh, our hearts and our doors are open for you all. Uh, it's much easier for you to come and visit the Holy Land rather for us as Palestinians to cross the border. Here's Kalandia border, which is the main border from Ramallah to Jerusalem. So it is much easier for you to come and visit the Holy Land and churches um, rather than Palestinians. Because every time we have to cross the border, we have to present a permit. Imagine yourself, you know, traveling all around the states having your passport and ID with you. We had the chance to, cr- to cross the border to Canada when we arrived, and it went as easy as we couldn't imagine. Just, you know, a lady from a window just appeared and said good morning, uh, and just took our passport scan it and gave it back, our passport, and enjoy your stay in Canada. See, we were astonished. We're not used to be treated like this. So life is easy here. You can move, travel, uh, just uh, plan a picnic or to travel to any way or uh, to the world, but we can't.
5: What kind of a passport do you have? Is it a
4: Palestinian passport? passport I have have a Jordanian, but my husband and my two sons have the Palestinian one, since I'm Jordanian. And as a Jordanian, I cannot fly from ben from Tel Aviv. That's why we, we, as a family, we have to fly to Jordan first and fly from Jordan to uh, the United States. Thank you.
5: You're welcome. Uh, regard, yeah. I'm sorry to cut you. You said you lived in Palestine for four years before you got here. here. Papers, right? no. Yes. So how come, soldiers, how come you were not giving the Palestinian passport?
4: The... Because all the issue is related to the Israelis. The, the the Palestinian Authority has nothing to do with issuing. It's a matter of political issue that has to do with the Israelis. And this is the only uh, authority that issues the family reunification, because you know they don't care about uh, uniting
2: uh, families. Just, mm-hmm. j- j- just on this point, uh, I think... uh oh, sorry. Pa- Palestinians do not have citizenship. We don't have citizenship. Yeah. We have residency. So the ID and the passport that we travel, it's a travel document. Uh, it's a residency uh, that allows us to live and travel and come back. Um, as you know, uh, the... the the state of Palestine is not recognized by the international community uh, and especially the uh, Security Council. That is why what we hold uh, is a travel document uh, and a residency. Um, And for your question, uh, when the Second Intifada uh, erupted in 2000 uh, as a punishment for all the Palestinians, Israel took uh, several measures. One of them is freezing the family uh, reunification process. So if you marry uh, someone that is not Palestinian, uh, they'll either they visit first and stay illegally for like 20 years, 25 years, or eventually you decide to leave, the, leave Palestine and go and live outside with them. It's a process to uh, push people out and it's a process to also make life miserable for the families inside Palestine. And that is why uh, there was a breakthrough in 2008 uh, in the negotiation between uh, the Israelis and the Palestinians. And I think it was during Obama's uh, administration. And uh, as as a gesture, the Uh, Israeli government released uh, 20,000 out of 60,000. So Ruba was among the 20,000 and we were lucky. But there are now in Palestine more than 50,000 women, mainly women, who who live illegally. They don't have their documents. They're undocumented. And for someone in the United States to be undocumented is not difficult. But if you have 600 checkpoints separating every village and city, it means home arrest. It means home confinement.
4: And uh, when uh, when was the time to give birth to Andrew? We were uh, in Zababdeh uh, at that time, and I had no IDs in order to go to the hospital or to show them in case of any checkpoints. Uh, in the road. So, you know what I did? <laughs> I, t- I took my uh, uh, sister in law's ID in case we were stopped at the checkpoint. So, we went to the hospital and asked them not to register Andrew under his aunt's.
0: <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Seems like I just to can't say. stop myself. <laughs> it's so difficult
1: to get around. You can be three blocks from where you want to be and have to drive miles and go through a crowded thing like that picture on the
4: left to get through a stop point. To, it, it's just horrendous. <laughs> I know. We're We're, we've been living in this. Whoops. For more than seventy-five years. Oh, though. I know. I, I just you say it so acceptingly. <laughs> uh, what and shall it's we do? Horrible what shall we do? do. <laughs> because we have faith, um. and we're looking for the future, and we want to live. That's what uh, keeps us moving. and accept it because we want to
2: stand still. Okay. More questions? Yeah. Thank you. Go ahead. I,
5: I, I know, I read history in school and I know a little bit about the, uh, the Palestinian-Israeli uh, crisis. I know maybe it started like 1945 or something, but during that time they told us that it was like the return of the Jews to Israel. Yeah. So, uh, my question is, how come you said when the Jews came to Palestinian land, they were occupying 7% of the land? So, how come they grew? They yeah. started growing so fast and almost took over the land? Uh,
2: I think you need to go back uh, 2,000 years uh, of history <laughs> uh, <laughs> rather than the 20th century. Uh, the uh, Jewish revolts, the Jewish community revolted against the Romans in the first century. And the Romans crushed the, the revolts, and they destroyed the temple in 70 uh, BC, A, AD, sorry, uh, Christian era uh, CE. And uh, uh, they did not allow the Jews to live in Palestine, so the Jewish people were scattered. Uh, there was another revolt later and then another defeat and then after uh, in, the, in the middle of the second century all the Jews were scattered around you know the Middle East um, Mainly mainly in areas like Iraq Syria Egypt Tunisia Morocco and many of them went to Turkey and Europe and for 2,000 years the Jews never returned to Palestine Some of them would return for a visit, but they uh, uh, lived mainly in Europe. uh, And during the, what we call the uh, acquisition uh, in Spain, uh, some of them fled to Morocco and North Africa. So they started coming back to, to, to the Holy Land, uh, at the end of the 19th century uh, 19 something uh, 80 something 18 1890 something and uh, some of them came because they were treated badly in Europe and later they were forced to leave because you know the Nazis were, uh, and the Holocaust was uh, uh, a way to push millions of Jews to leave uh, Europe uh, many of them came to to the Holy Land. It was Palestine then. Because for uh, 2,000 years, there was no Jewish presence uh, in in that land. Now, uh, of course, the Jewish people have always longed for their Holy Land, for their Promised Land. But, uh, without without going into a a deeper theological uh, underpinnings, why would you as a Jew impose your Jewish faith on me as a Christian or as a Muslim who is living in Palestine? If you're a Jewish, if you're Jewish, and you believe in going back to the Holy Land, why would you impose your faith on me as a Muslim? That is not fair. You can uh, you can take part of the land and make it your own, uh, but eventually uh, the international community, uh, under the uh, uh, influence of the Zionist movement at that time, uh, imposed the international uh, uh, international. Uh, uh, decision on the Palestinian community, and they uh, took half of their land. The Palestinians didn't accept that. They said, "No, this is our land. Uh, we've been living here for two, two hundred, two, two thousand years, uh, and no one will uh, take it from us." Eventually, the Palestinians lost because they were the weaker part in war, and the Israelis, uh, of course, backed by the British. Uh, At that time, uh, they won the war and they occupied 70% 70 of the whole land. Of course, uh, at that time, about a million Palestinian refugees uh, left, were expelled of what is now Israel, and they became refugees in in the Middle East. Uh, But you're right, there is a religious uh, element uh, in that conflict, but i think uh, well from from a theological at least uh, my theological perspective the uh, concept of israel and holy land in jesus has transformed from a particular land into the kingdom of god from a specific piece of land into the idea of the kingdom of god and the christians According to Paul who believe in Christ become the new Israel And as new Israel we inherit not the land, but the kingdom of God. So But again, I do respect the Jewish uh, Belief about the Holy Land, but again, I believe you should not impose your belief of your, Your own belief on me and affect my life Otherwise that would be described as racism and supremacy.
0: As a pastor, as a priest in the Anglican Church,
5: uh, how, what is the, the major focus you feel as an ordained pastor uh, for your flock, for the people that you gather with, worship with,
2: minister with? Well, I think the main focus uh, has uh, always been to help the flock, help them feel or believe or behave uh, according to the gospel of Christ and to empower them with hope. So, hope. Yeah, but how was turned the other cheek, uh, cut it uh, through the barbed wire. Yeah, I, th- I mean, there's some, there's some uh, Palestinians who the the majority of the Palestinians do believe in the nonviolent violent uh, resistance. Uh, doesn't mean that you turn the other cheek, but it means you respond in a Christian manner. You respond, you respond in a constructive, Christian, ethical uh, manner that, re- that presents you as the follower of Christ. Uh, turning the other cheek is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Because you're strong when you do not repay uh, violence with violence. Or react violently against violence. Um, but the community, uh, in, in, in the, the Christian community, I think what they what they need most, and what we try to help them, is to retain hope. Uh, because you know, when people lose hope, they stop functioning. They stop functioning. So I think the church has has always continued, has always uh, tried its best to provide the community with the uh, means to maintain their hope in the midst of suffering and uh, challenges. Yes,
5: uh, you mentioned that the Christian, the Palestinian Christians, believe in non-violence.
2: Majority, I Majority.
5: Yeah. Why do Muslims, Palestinians believe in getting, like, getting their balance to get their peace, right? Yeah. So do you think the Christians and the Muslims, Palestinians not coming together to...
2: Well, they're coming together, but they have different approaches to resistance. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
5: Do you think the different approach is part of what is affecting Palestinians not trying to get their
2: freedom? No, no, I, I think, I think uh, uh, first of all, we should not uh, generalize. Uh, like the majority of Christians believe in, in non-violent because some Christian groups were violent uh, throughout the, throughout the israel palestinian conflict. And uh, we shouldn't say that like all Muslims are violent because many Muslims do not believe in in violence, and they continue to seek nonviolent uh, uh, resistance. But I would say, like there's more violent resistance among the Muslim community than the Christian community, uh, and the reason has to do with uh, their their beliefs uh, within the community. Uh, Well, I speak from from a Middle Eastern concept. Most Christians in the Middle East have have lived for more than uh, 14th century as a minority. And as a minority, they have learned to negotiate rather than to fight because of their consciousness as a minority. And I think, uh, that is why many Christians in the Middle East now try like, walk the, the, the extra mile. Mm-hmm. They always walk the extra mile because, because they know that as a minority they cannot achieve yeah. victory by fighting the others, the other part. And That's that what formed their identity as a non-violent uh, uh, community. Uh, the Muslim community uh, has, has uh, the Muslim faith spread all over the world and along the Middle East through battles. So there is a lot about fighting in Islam uh, and fighting the enemy. So so that is why uh, some or many many Muslims would wouldn't reject uh, the idea of violent reaction uh, resistance. But again, let me just remind all of us, because sometimes I feel we forgot, that occupied people, according to international law, are allowed by the the international law to use resistance against the occupiers. So why shouldn't we allow the Palestinians to resist the occupiers? Like, look at Russia and Ukraine. If Russia, occupies Ukraine we tell the Ukrainians you have the right to resist but why not the Palestinians why why this discrimination why turning a blind eye when it comes to Israel so uh, it is very important that because we always uh, blame the Palestinians for a violent resistance But they have got the right by the international law to resist the occupier.
5: Yes, sir. Tell us what it's like in the Gaza Strip, and how that differs from where you were living in ministry. And do you
2: have, or are there a number of Anglican priests in the? Well, we used to have. We used to have an Anglican community in Gaza, not anymore, uh, because uh, in the last. In the last uh, 10 years, the the majority uh, of the Christian uh, community in Gaza left. So there are only remnants to about 600 people or less. Uh, 600.
0: 600 Christians in in Gaza?
2: Uh, And and, and I think less than that. Christians or Anglicans?
0: Two millions. Christians Christians or Anglicans? No, Christians. Christians,
2: period. No, no Anglicans.
5: 600 Christians out of 2 million
0: people.
2: Yeah. And there are only 50,000 Christians out of 4 million in the West Bank. So the whole Palestinian Christian community that remains today in the Holy Land is 45, 50,000. We're less than 1%. In 1964, during the first uh, uh, map that you've seen, the Christian community was 17 percent so when we talk about the nakba you know the nakba have you heard about the word nakba the nakba is the catastrophe the palestinian catastrophe the palestinian Catholic catastrophe was not a political catastrophe alone it was also a church catastrophe we're talking about 1948
0: 1948
2: right? because in 1948 the church the palestinian church lost thousands of christians who left their homes and churches were closed since 1948 Mm -hmm. so if you go to israel today you'll see a lot of churches that were closed in 1948 so the church was uh, also has its own catastrophe it's nakba because the palestinian community christian community dropped from 17 percent in 1946 to one percent so when we talk about Christian that's why I'm saying uh, we're crossing the threshold Uh, and there is a huge danger like within the coming 20 years there will be no Christian in the Palestinian territories or the Holy Land I mean, you'd go and visit churches and museums. Except tourists. Yeah. Except, Except, sorry? Tourists. Tourists, Tourists. yeah. You'd be visiting churches and museums, but who will continue the mission that Christ started 2,000 years ago? Yes, Father.
0: Is there any dialogue, is there any possibility of dialogue in the Holy Land between Christians and Jews, especially, I'm thinking about clergy and wrapping um, up clergy. Can clergy talk to each other?
3: Yeah,
2: there's some. There's some. Uh, by the way, when when we say like Jewish community, like not all the Jews are uh, unfriendly. Right. There are many friends, uh, yeah. and there are many who even support the Palestinian cause, and there are many even who fight for the Palestinian cause. But we're talking about the political, you know. Guys who run the country. Right. Right. But, but of course, we have uh, Jewish uh, friends and uh, we, we have links with schools and with synagogues. Um, and even, you know, some Jews in the United States, they're very supportive to the Palestinian cause. So when, when we say like Jews, uh, and I, I always make sure that the Jewish people in general. They're they're wonderful people. They have always been human rights defenders. They have defended human rights almost everywhere. But when you use ideologies, political ideologies into religion, then everything turns upside down. And that is the difference between Judaism and Zionism. Well, Judaism is a religion, Zionism is a political ideological program. Uh, and that is why there is no, I mean, I think Jews left in, in, in Lebanon, in Syria, in Iraq, in, in Yemen, in Morocco. Uh, there are some people who now wish to go visit their neighbors in the Arab countries. I don't think there is a problem with the Jewish people. Uh, the problem has always been with the colonial uh, zionist program that uh, promoted a land without a people for a people without a land and if you look at the first uh, part of the equation is a land without so for the zionists the palestinians do not exist And that is where supremacy comes comes in. This is where you prefer one group over the other, and the interests of one group over the other. Because when you promote a land without a people, you mean like these people who live in the land, they're non-existent. You could you don't consider them humans. And that is that is what I think not only Palestinian but the rest of those who uh, understand the Palestinian cause fight for. It's not, no one is against the Jewish community. No, actually actually, uh, I always say there, there are more people in the Jewish community who fight for the Palestinian cause than any other nation. But the problem is not with the, with the Jewish community. The problem is with the ideology that the Israeli government is implementing that not only neglect the interests of others, that negates the other completely. Yes. Questions? Uh, I, you know, if, if, if you're hungry, stop asking questions. I
0: was just thinking maybe it's time to- <laughs>